Mr. President. This is Commander Gene Cernan of Apollo 17. Hello, Commander. I have a boy here named Dennis. He has something he'd like to ask you. Of course. Go ahead. Hello, Mr. Astronaut. Is your refrigerator running? Young man, this is a high-priority line of communication, and we don't have time for any unnecessary personnel to... Just answer the boy's question, Commander. ship's refrigeration unit is functioning. <laughs> then you better go catch it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, Dennis. <laughs> I'd like to be reconnected to mission control. <laughs> I never made a prank call to space before! Yes, astronauts usually have a better sense of humor. Oh, we should call Brezhnev. Richard Milhouse Nixon became the 37th President of the United States and took up residence at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We must maintain the integrity of the White House, and that integrity must be real, not transparent. There can be no whitewash at the White House. In June 1971, Henry Mitchell, an aerospace engineer, moved his family to Washington, D.C., into a modest row house along Pennsylvania Avenue with his wife Alice and their only child, a precocious and mischief-prone boy of five named Dennis. If you were ever curious about how many baseballs you can flush down a toilet, don't even bother. It's a lot less than you think. By forces so random that no statistician would dare calculate the odds, the president and five-year-old Dennis would develop a thoroughly extraordinary relationship, one that some argue would change the course of American history. For BBC Radio 11's award-winning docuseries, Portraitures of Power, I'm Rebecca Baker, and this is Mr. Nixon and the Menace. Chapter 4, The Fall of Eagles In November 1972, the president won re-election in a gargantuan landslide victory. Let us make these next four years the best four years in America's history. With all our successes in 72, the only Democrat that could have beaten Nixon was buried with an eternal flame at Arlington Cemetery. The... President won vindication for his leadership, for his policies. During this peak of popularity, the president also enjoyed his closest relationship with Dennis. That uh, fall, the president and Dennis were inseparable. In the winter, he invited Dennis to go sledding at Camp David. I myself had never been afforded such a delightful opportunity. People referred to Ehrlichman and me as the Berlin Wall. But even we would be boxed out from time to time by Dennis. Every time something unpleasant came up, especially Watergate, the president would turn to Dennis and engage in some frivolous board game or schoolyard prank. The president and Dennis once playfully squirted a pen load of black ink onto my shirt ruining it. I shifted a busy day of meetings in order to obtain a new unstained shirt, and by the time I had uh, a new shirt in my possession, the ink stain had uh, disappeared. 
As the trial of the Watergate 7 began in January, Nixon would retreat deeper into his friendship with Dennis. The trial concluded when G. Gordon Liddy and James McCord, who had both pled not guilty, were convicted of conspiracy, burglary, and wiretapping. The trial was over and it seemed like the worst might be behind us. Then, a bombshell. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Today, a major development in the Watergate burglary case. Federal Judge John Sirica, who presided over this unusual case of breaking and entering, has received a letter from convicted burglar James McCord, in which McCord states that he and others have committed perjury and that those convicted had faced political pressure to lie under oath. The McCord letter busted the Watergate case wide open like a pinata of political deceit. Left to pick up the bitter orange peanut candy in the aftermath was John Dean, the boyish-faced White House counsel. Dean realized that he would soon be implicated and spoke with Nixon on March 21, 1973, about the severity of the White House's situation. But Dean would find that holding the president's attention would be exceptionally difficult. Mr. President, John Dean is here to speak with you. Oh, yeah, well, send him in. But I just set the game up. I thought we were going to play. Oh, we'll play. Dean's just here to give the usual updates. Start firing. Mr. President, is this a good time? Sure is. J just in the middle of this new uh, board game from the Milton Bradley Company. It's Crossfire. Yes, Crossfire. Oh, I can come back. Nonsense, don't you think I can focus on more than one thing at a time? Of course, sir. Oh, my gun keeps jamming! <laughs> That's your problem, Dennis. <laughs> right. So, well, uh, it is my opinion that there is a cancer that is on the presidency. It, it's growing and it's it's compounding daily, <laughs> oh, sir. Oh, damn it. Yes! Uh-oh, you said a curse word. Let me let you in on a little secret. When the president says it, Dennis, it's not a curse word. Wow. You see that, Dean? He snuck that thing right by me. I did see that, sir. Anyway, people are going to have to start perjuring yeah. themselves. We're being blackmailed by uh -huh. others. There's a lot you aren't aware of. Mm. Game two. Can I see curse words? Well, you aren't the president, are you? I guess not. Mr. President, I don't know if you appreciate the seriousness of the situation right now. The whole thing could go bust. I do appreciate it, John. I, I really do. I agree. We need to take some action on this. You see this game, John? We need to do this. Just keep firing away. They're trying to get that puck into our house, and we just need to keep shooting away at it. For the people in prison, keeping them quiet will require a substantial sum. What do you need? How much money? I'd say about a million dollars. Oh, boy! A million dollars? Something like that over the next two years. Well, we could get that. I know where it could be gotten. You do? It's not easy, but we could get it. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy a racing car. No, wait. I'd buy a rocket ship. What are you going to buy, Mr. Nixon? We're going to buy peace of mind, that's what. We can get out of this. We just need to keep firing. Yes! Oh man! A hard-fought victory. Is that all, Dean? Um, quite frankly, no. 
there's a lot. Uh, tell you what, why don't you head up to Camp David, take a weekend, and write up a whole report on it. Everything I'm supposed to know. We can go from there. I can do that. Good. Go do it. I've got a best of three to win here. Thank you, sir. The president dispatched Dean to write a full report, and it was becoming clear that the Watergate scandal was beginning to infect those closest to the president. We knew the nooses were beginning to tighten on senior staff, myself included, but the president had maintained hope that we'd be able to skirt by unscathed. Until something happened. Something that shook the president to his core. The president had been steadfast in his defense against allegations of wrongdoing and was refusing to part with any close advisors. That faith would finally be shaken, not by the relentless digging of reporters Woodward and Bernstein, but by the simple garden shovel of a White House groundskeeper. A revelation in the Rose Garden caused Nixon to summon Dennis to the Oval Office, something the president had never once done before. The following exchange took place on April 16, 1973. Hey, Mr. Nixon. Do you want to see my new Green Beret Johnny Copter? No, Dennis. Have a seat. Uh, but it's spring-loaded. Dennis, do you know what the White House groundskeeping staff dug up today? Dinosaur bones? They've found your bag of tricks. They were tilling the soil for some new pachysandras, and they found all of your buried secrets. Uh-oh. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Mrs. Nixon is very upset that you broke her Roosevelt china. She's called your parents, and they're on their way. Oh, man. I wish I was the president so I could say a few curse words about now. Forget about cursing. You've got your back against the wall. Only a short amount of time to plan your next move. So, what do you do now? Hmm. I'm probably going to get in trouble. No, no, that, that's no good. What are you going to do to get out of trouble? Um, I don't know. Sometimes when I do bad things, I get in trouble. I'll probably have to go into a dumb old timeout. Timeout? <sighs> oh, don't you see, Dennis? There's no timeout for me. If, if things go south from here, I'll just be... Out. We'll all be out. Bob, Henry, Pat, and me, and, and you. Well, that's no fun. Oh, you're damn right it's no fun. Uh, so, what do you do now that somebody dug up all the things you covered up in the Rose Garden? You're a smart boy. You, you've got to have something up your sleeve. Gosh, Mr. Nixon, I got some bubble gum and matches up my sleeve, but I don't think that's going to help. No. Unless... You blow some bubbles, then light the matches. Ah, oh, damn it, Dick, what's that going to do? You're not making any sense. Mr. President, the Mitchells just arrived at the front gate. Can't you see I'm busy? I don't have time for any of Martha's nonsense. Why don't you fix her a turpentine martini? Uh, no, sir. Uh, Henry and Alice Mitchell, Dennis's parents. Son of a gun! I'm probably going to get grounded for this. Dennis, if they uncover my bag of tricks, I'll face a hell of a lot more than just getting grounded. Well, that's it. We're going to have to sacrifice some bodies. I'll have to fire Dean. Ehrlichman, too, and that's it for Bob. You're going to fire Bob? 
Yes, Dennis. It's a whole new kind of trouble pile now. This has all been just a comedy of errors. I don't think you should be around anymore. Things are going to get very messy. Oh, I can handle getting messy. I hate bats. That's not what I mean. You see, Washington is a dangerous place. It's, it's a cesspool, a real swamp. I love swamps, like with frogs and stuff. No, Dennis, I mean this town is full of snakes. I have a pet snake. His name is Clark. I'm not talking about Clark. I'm, I'm talking about the mudslingers in the press. Mr. Nixon, mud is my favorite. You, you don't understand. These guys at the Washington Post, they know how to play hardball. Well, you know, I'm a pretty good third baseman. Mr. President. What? Dennis's parents. They're in the West Wing lobby. Good. Get them out of here. No, I want to stay. Dennis, don't you see what a giant cluster muck you've gotten me into? Why, I don't think you could have screwed things up so badly if... If you were trying to. Come on, Dennis, it's time to go. Hold on a sec there, Bob. Dennis, take this note to your parents. It's a note from the President of the United States recommending a lenient punishment for you as a result of your extraordinary service to this office. Oh, really? Thanks a lot, Mr. Nixon. All right. We'll see you back here soon. Yeah, see you guys soon. Lenient punishment, sir. Yes, Bob. That boy, he's up to something. This... Watergate mess, it's almost too perfect. Somebody else has to be involved. The, the Democrats, Ted Kennedy, those tea drinkers out in Hollywood. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And in order to do that, I need to keep Dennis close. Understood entirely, sir. Two weeks after Dennis's hidden misdeeds were unearthed, the president accepted the resignations of John Ehrlichman and Bob Haldeman. The president thought he'd be able to ride out the early days of Watergate without drawing any blood, but once he lost faith in Dennis, he quickly changed strategy. The president's focus became survival. Saying goodbye to that job was the hardest thing I've ever done. After the resignations, Nixon turned his attention not to the Senate Committee on New Watergate Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox, but to Dennis, who he no longer considered a friend, but a clear and present threat to his presidency. Next week in Portraitures of Power. The president faces a storm of allegations as the Senate Watergate Committee hearings are broadcast to a shocked and fascinated nation. Senator, I was participating in a cover-up at that time. Meanwhile, the president begins to employ some familiar dirty tricks in an attempt to get the best of Dennis. But this proves more difficult than anticipated. The president was embarking on a campaign of clandestine skullduggery, but it was mere child's play to Dennis. Literally, everything is a uh, child's play to Dennis. Because he is a child. And as the president keeps his attention on Dennis, a crucial revelation threatens to unravel everything for America's 37th president. Mr. Butterfield, are there any listening devices located in the Oval Office of the president? Oh, what's this? Careful, it's the recording says.
Portraitures of Power is an original production of BBC Radio 11, copyright 1990, and current subsidiary of Accelerate Investments, LLC, the sole controlling interest of AA Baseball's two-time champion, North Shore Robert Barons. Go Robert Barons.